which is also a a summary of the Sikha. In this week's Parsha Truma, which is all about the building of the Mishkan, so it's about the Beis Amikdash as well, in a way, and one of the central avodas the Rambam says of the Beis Amikdash, the, the purpose of the Beis Amikdash is to bring, to be Makrif Karbonus, to bring Karbonus, so the Mizbeach seems to be one of the most important features of the Mishkan and the Beis Amikdash. And in fact, in this week's parsha, it also talks about, at the end of the parsha, describes the building of the outer Mizbeach. And in next week's parsha, the Tzavah talks about the building of the inner Mizbeach, the golden Mizbeach, for the Ketoris. So one of the places in which Chazal speak about the... Uh, the two Mizbechas, the outer Mizbech and the inner Mizbech, is at the end of Mesech Chagiga. In the very last Mishnah of Mesech Chagiga, it says that after the holidays, after uh, Yom Tev, they had to table all the Kalim of the Beis Hamikdash because there were all kinds of people that came there. Some people were not necessarily up on, they didn't understand the mitzvahs of uh, Tum of Atara, and they were afraid that somebody that was may have been Tomei may have touched one of the Kalim and therefore everything was toveled in the mikveh in order to bring everything back to a state of Tara regardless. The only thing that did not have to be toveled was the Mizbeach Azov, the inner Mizbeach, and the Mizbeach Anachoshes, what they called the outer Mizbeach, was called the copper Mizbeach because in the Mishkan it was a copper Mizbeach. Why didn't they have to table those two? So Rabbi Loza says the reason is because they were like karka. They are like the ground itself. The ground itself cannot become tummy. And the uh, Chachamim say because they were coated. They were coated with the metal that they were coated with. Therefore they did not have to be tabled. So that needs to be explained. And the Gemara does explain it. First of all, Rabbi Loza's opinion because the the uh, the Torah calls the Mizbeach Hanachoshes Mizbach Adama a, a earthen Mizbeach, so the Torah states, you know, declares that it is an earthen Mizbeach, and therefore it's like the ground, and therefore the ground can become tummy, and both Mizbeaches were compared to each other in another pasuk, and therefore it includes the golden Mizbeach as well. Both of them are considered like the ground. There's no need to table them. Then the Gemara goes on to explain what the Chachamim said, because they are coded, and asks, to the contrary, the fact that they're coded is a reason that they should become Tomei, because now they become a metal Kali, a metal Kali, and a metal Kali does become Tomei. So that should be a reason why they should become Tomei, and they should need to be tabled. And Rashi explains, had it not been for the coding, then the Mizbeach is made out of wood, as the Torah actually called it, Vasisa Mizbeach Shitim. So it's a wooden Mizbeach, and any wooden implement which is made to be stationary, it's not made to move around, even though it's a Kali, but it's a Kali that is stationary, does, is not Makabal Tumah. So therefore, as essentially, the Mizbeachas wouldn't become Tomei because they're wooden implements which are stationary. So therefore, the, the fact that they are coded now makes them into a metal. Kali and a metal Kali is Mechabal Tumah. So that should be a reason why they should need to be tabled. So the second answer that the Gemara gives on this question is that the Rabbanan are actually addressing Rebbe Loza's concern. 
they say to Rabbi Lazar, why do you need a Pasuk to call it um, the ground and that's why you don't have to table it it should be exempt from Tuma because it's a Kli Eitz Ha'asur Lenachas as I said it's a stationary wooden implement and therefore it doesn't become Tame anyway why do you need it why do you need a Pasuk that it's earth to say that it's not Tame and should you say that the reason is because they are coded so the coding now makes it into a metal keli which could become tummy and that's why you need to rely on the pasik that says that it is like the ground and therefore it doesn't become tummy so the chachamim say that there really is no issue with that because the fact that they're coded shouldn't make a difference because the Torah calls it a wooden mizbeach and the coding becomes secondary bottle to the fact that it's a wooden implement and it still maintains its status as a wooden implement and that's why it's exempt from becoming Tomei and therefore doesn't need to be tabled and Rabbi Lazar, why did you need another Pasuk to call it an earthen Mizbeach in order to exempt it from tabling and that's what they mean to say that's how Rashi explains it the Rambam explains it a little differently the Rambam says that what the Chachamim are saying is not addressing Rebbe Loza's, um issue, but rather they're talking about themselves, their own opinion, which is that a coded keli is not makabal tuma. The Sifra says that there's a passage that says, Kol any keli with which malacha uh, will be done, bahem, with them. So the Sifra learns from there that a coded keli even though the keli is a keli that should be makabal tuma, let's say because it has a receptacle it can contain liquid which is what defines a keli as a keli but since it's coded therefore you're not using the keli directly you're using it through its coating and the coating itself doesn't have the status of a keli it's only the coating to a keli and therefore it becomes exempt, it doesn't become tame because all use of the keli is through the coating and the coating can't become tame and the Pasuk says it has to be, has to be a keli with which you do malacha with the keli itself, bahem and since it has a coating it's not, it doesn't become tame that's what the Chachamim are saying in other words that Rashi says that the coating is a reason that it should become tame the Rambam says that it's a, the coating is a reason that it shouldn't become tame so we have to understand why the Rambam has such a, which seems like removed from the way the Gemara seems to be explaining it it doesn't fit well with the wording in the Gemara, why does he insist on this shot? so perhaps we can explain the Rambam's reason for going that way because the Rambam holds Rabbi Lazar was a student of Shammai, he was a Shammaisi he's called in the Gemara, meaning a student of Shammai so we could say that the machlaikis between Rabbi Lazar and the Chachamim on this matter could go back to a machlaikis between Hillel and Shammai, based Shammai and based Hillel, on other matters which we find. And we know what's called the Lishitase, which means if you find many different machlaikis in between Shammai, Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel, but they all seem to have a common theme, and that's what... Um, colors their opinion in so many different issues it's likely that they're not different types of machlekes and then they argue about many different issues the reason they argue about many different issues is because it all comes back to these two opinions that they have which are shared by all those, co- uh, those other issues that we're going to talk about now
called on the Shittase. They go according to their view of things in general. And we'll explain a number of them now. So when say the Zrayim, in the order of Zrayim of the Mishnah, in the Sechta Brachas, there's a Machlegis between Beshameh and Besil about what Bracha we make on the fire on Mitzray Shabbos. Beshameh says that we say, Beirei Me'oyr Ha'esh, the one Shabara Me'oyr Ha'esh, he created the light of fire. Beshameh says that we say, Beirei Me'oyr Ha'esh, that he created the, the lights of fire, in a plural. And the Gemara says, the Beishame says that light, fire has one light, one color. Beishil says, no, there are many colors in the fire. So the question is, are they arguing about the facts? If you look at the fact, you look at fire, you see that there are many colors in fire. Why does Beishame say that there's only one color? And the, meaning, the, the answer to this is, based on a general viewpoint of Beishame and Beishil, they differ on this issue. And that issue is this. Beishamai says that in all matters of Allah in Torah, what the Torah says, look at the thing from a general point of view. What do you see when you first look at that thing? What's the general impression that you get when you, look, when you address a certain issue? Beishamai says, no, you have to look a little deeper. And there is really nuances that you will find if you look a little deeper into a matter. And the Torah wants you to paskin, wants you to rule according to the nuances that you find in the matter. And this difference of opinion will be what addresses so many different machlegesen that we're now going to examine between Beshamay and Besilel, starting with the one of Bayramiyayra Eish. Beshamay says, when you look at fire, what is the first thing that you see? Light. Fire gives you light. And you don't, look, you don't see different shades of light or different appearances of light. There is light. And therefore, fire needs to be addressed as the producer, the source of light. And that's one thing, the light of fire. Beis Hillel says, no, if you look a little closer into fire, you will see that there are many different shades of light that it produces. There is a color of red, and there is a color of yellow, and there is a, a gas one is blue, and so on. And it produces different types of uh, features of the light. And therefore, that's what you need to... If you look a little deeper, you'll see that there is more to fire than just one shade of light. And that's why they say you should address it, and you should say, the lights of fire. And say the Noshim... We find in Masech Teksubis, there's a machlegis between Bisham and Bishil, that when you're dancing before the Kala at her wedding, what do you say? How do you praise her? Bisham says, you praise her with praises which are fitting for her. You have to see who she is. Whatever she has, whatever qualities you have, that's how you praise her. Bishil says, you say, Kala Nova Chasuda, a beautiful and kind Kala. That's how you say to every Kala. So Beishamai said to Beishillel, and what happens if she's a blind kala? She's not a pretty kala. She's not a nice kala. What are you going to say? You're going to lie? Doesn't the Torah say, say in Allah to lie? So Beishillel said to Beishamai, so when according to you, if somebody buys, makes a purchase, should you praise his purchase or should you put down his purchase? Of course you should praise his purchase. So the, uh, Beishillel and Beishamai each have a good uh, point that they're making. Does Beis Hillel want to say lie, lie about the Kala? Of course not. Does Beis want to tell the Chosen that he made a bad choice? Of course not. So what is the basis of the Machlekes? 
it's the same point. Beishamay says, when you look at the color, say what you see at the first glance. Say what you see on, in a general sense. She's not a pretty color. You're not going to call her a pretty color. Beishilo says, no, look a little deeper into the matter. The chasen chose her. Why did he choose her? Because he sees something in her, which to him, she's beautiful. He thinks she's beautiful. He thinks she's great. So talk to the chasen. Tell him that you agree with his choice. He made a good choice. He thinks she's, she is a great kala. That's how he sees it. Another example is in, in say the Kachim. In Mesech Techulin, uh, there's a Mishnah that says, are, are, you're allowed to put chicken and cheese, which means chicken and milk products, on the table at the same time. And of course, you can't eat them together, but you can have them on the table at the same time. That's Beishamay's opinion. Beis Hillel says that you're not allowed to put it on the table even. Certainly you're not allowed to eat it. You shouldn't even put it on the table. What's the basis of the Machlekes? Beishamay says, when you put the, t- the chicken and the, t- and the cheese on the table, look at what he's doing. He's not eating them together. They're just sitting there. Why is there a worry? What should be, wor- be worried about? Beis Hillel says, think about what could happen. A person could slip up and forget and therefore end up eating chicken and milk, and therefore it shouldn't go on the table to begin with. There's another few examples that the Rebbe brings in the Sikha, but uh, will suffice. This is a summary, so will suffice with these examples. And these, this difference of opinion will explain what's going on in, in the Mishnah, in Mesech uh, the as well. Since Rebbe Lazar, as I said, was a Talmud of Beishamay, and the, Rabba, uh, and the Rabbanim most likely followed the opinion of Beis Hillel, so this boils down to the same kind of a machlegis between Beishamay and Beis Hillel. Rebbe Lazar, who is going with the opinion of Beishamay, says, when you look at the Mizbeach HaNechayshis, or the Mizbeach HaZov, the copper Mizbeach and the golden Mizbeach, what do you see? At first glance, what you see is a copper Mizbeach, a metal keli or a golden mizbeach, a, met, a golden, uh, also a metal keli. It doesn't matter that if you were to look deeper into the matter, you would notice that really they're a wooden keli, and that's what the Torah calls it, but they're only coated with, uh, with the copper. It's called the copper mizbeach, it's called the golden mizbeach, so therefore you treat it as a golden, as a metal keli, and therefore it would be mekabal if not for the Torah telling us that, it's an earthen mizbeach and therefore is exempt from all, any kind of tumah. But the Chachamim say that why just look at the surface of it? Look into what the mizbeach actually is. The Torah says that you should make a mizbeach out of wood and you should coat it. The coating is only bottled to the, what the mizbeach is by, by true, in its true nature is a wooden mizbeach. And therefore, it doesn't, it's not makabal tumah because of the reason that it's a wooden mizbeach, a wooden keli, which is meant to be stationary. And therefore, it is not makabal tumah in any case. Because you look a little deeper, you see that there is a good reason to be exempted, even if you don't consider it to be um, earthen mizbeach. So in other words, the Chachamim say, says the Rambam, explains the Rambam, that the coding is something which, the fact that it's coated with metal is a fact that prevents it from becoming tummy, not that lends to it becoming tummy, because it would be true for any keli also. If any keli was tummy, if it's a wooden keli that is, sorry, that is coated, so then the coating is a reason that it should not be considered tummy, rather than a reason it should be considered tummy, 
That's why the Rambam sees it as an extension of the machlekes between Beishamai and Beis Hillel in all in many other matters, and that that's what explains their machlekes in this matter as well. Understanding it in this way also allows us to link the end of the Masech Tachagiga with the beginning of the Masech Tachagiga, which is something which is done often to connect the beginning and the end of the Masech What is the beginning of the Masech Tachagiga? It talks about the uh, karbonas that are brought when a person comes to visit the Mizbeach, when you're, uh, the, the Beis Amidosh, when you're Eilul Regel, there's a mitzvah to bring two different types of karbonas. One is an Eilas Re'iyah, a carbon Eilul, which is completely burnt on the Mizbeach, and then there is a Shlomim, which is called a Shalmei Chagiga, a Shlomim for the Yom Tif. So there's a Machlegis between Beshamei and Beshilul about what the value of these karbonas have to be. Beshamei says that the Eila should be worth two, um, two uh, whatever the uh, denomination is, two Ma. And the Chagiga should be, has to be only one, half the price of the Eila. Beis Hillel says the opposite, the Re'iyah should be only one, the Eila should be only one, the Chagiga should be two. Beishamai explains, because the Eila is something which we bring for Hashem, it's Eila L'Gavaya, the whole thing is given as a gift to Hashem, it goes on the Mizbeach, completely burnt, therefore that should be the more valuable, uh, the more valuable carbon. What you're going to eat yourself, what the Kayinim are going to eat, that could be, you can uh, do with only one Ma's worth. Basil says to the contrary, the Chagiga offers you two types of eating which are eaten by, so to speak, Hashem. One is, part of it is put, put on the Mizbeach, and the other thing is that the Kayanim, when they eat their part of the Kharm Chagiga, it's also a mitzvah. So this is like giving a gift to Hashem as well. And in fact, even the owner's eating of the carbon is also a mitzvah, and therefore that can also be considered to be given a, giving a gift to Hashem. And therefore, a, a carbon which has two gifts that are given to Hashem should be the more expensive carbon. The carbon oil, which is only one gift of eating to Hashem, it's all burnt on the Mizbeach, only needs to be one more. So it boils down to the same kind of uh, view of the matter. If you look at a carbon in a general way, you see a carbon that is placed completely on the Mizbeach, that's a gift to Hashem. That should be worthy of being called a gift to Hashem. So Bishamah says, that's the more expensive one. Basil says, look a little deeper into the matter. See that when you, although you're not burning the whole thing, but when the owners eat it or when the Kayanim eat it, that's also a gift to Hashem. If you look a little deeper, you look at the nuance of the matter, you'll see that the Karm Chagiga has a greater value, should have a greater value, because it has multiple levels of feeding Hashem, giving gifts to Hashem, through the various ways in which the Chagiga is consumed. Partially by the Mizveach, partially by the owner, partially by the Kayanim, and so on. The Rebbe relates this whole discussion also to something which is said at the end of Masech Chagiga in the Gemara that the fire of Gehenim does not affect, does not harm neither Tomad HaChachamim and not even Pesh Yisrael, not even the sinners. What's the connection between that and this Machlokes about the coding of the Mizbeach? The Chachamim are telling us, like like Hill, Beis Hillel says, that when you look even at a sinner, a Jewish person that commits sins, you see that on the surface he may be committing a sin. But at the, his inside, what do you, you look at the inside, just like the Mizbeach is considered a wooden Mizbeach, you look at the inner 
dimension, at the essence of a Jew, you see that it's all good. In fact, it ties in well with the other machlegas of Hashem, that every person, that every kala is a beautiful, uh, a beautiful and kind kala. Hashem is called the chasen in the relationship between Hashem and the Yidna. Hashem is called the chasen, the Yidna called the kala. So Hashem made a purchase. He took the Jews as his kala. So sh- when you look at a Jew, even the one that commits sins, should you focus on the sins or should you focus on if Hashem chose this person just like he chose every Yid certainly he saw something terrific in that person certainly he saw what is on the inside what the true essence of that person is and therefore what you see what you're looking at the coding of it that it doesn't seem to be perfect that's only because you're looking at the surface look a little more look a little deeper look at what's really going on, you'll see that it's a kalanova chasuda, that it's truly only a coding that is, ba- that is not terrific, but on the inside, everything is perfect. And that is truly have to, how we have to look at every yid. It's not that if a person doesn't have the most perfect exterior, that we have to distance ourselves from them, chas v'shom, to the contrary. We have to look into the inner matter. We have to see what's really going on, and therefore... Um, try to bring out the uh, illuminate that person you have to illuminate what's going on on the inside and that should be take precedence over what's going on on the surface